0: Great Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in Episode 71, we're joined by Eric Starks, Chairman and Senior Consultant at FTR, where we talk about what the company does, how it works, and why forecasting is important to the trucking industry. He also talks about how the pandemic changed tractor-trailer ratios, and how that might be a permanent shift. And he shares his insights on what he sees for 2023, 2024, and 2025 for our industry. Today we have joining us Eric Starks. He's the chairman and senior
1: consultant at FTR. It's a pleasure having you on today, Eric. I'm glad you're with us. Oh, Mike, it, it's fantastic to be here. And FTR stands for Freight Transportation Research. we shortened it to FTR just because, uh, man, that was a long, uh, that was a lot to say every time I got introduced. <laughs>
0: It's funny, Eric, that you say that because uh, for a long time when, when NACFI started in 2010, you know, I I, I told people not to say NACFI. We got to be known, you know, we got to get our, who we are and what we are. And, you know, uh, and, and that lasted, you know, maybe two months, Eric. <laughs> Everybody's like, that's too, that's too dang long. Let's just, uh, let's just call it NACFI. All right, I said. So, I get it. <laughs> do you remember uh, how we
1: became friends, and maybe even how we first met, Eric? Mike, I, I don't remember our first meeting specifically. I mean, I just remember tons of meetings, and um, and just kind of over the years, we would just get to know each other, and uh, we had some great one-on-one um, heart-to-hearts, and yeah, I don't remember the first time. Do you? Well, I, you know, McAfee started in 2010, um, and I
0: know one of the things that, well, one of the things that actually worried me as we started it was uh, you know how would uh, you know a startup you know that Roth is doing? How would we get the data and really right. the some of the core information that we needed to do this work and do it well? And so I remember reaching out to a lot of companies and organizations, and you know, NACV's whole thing is, you know, uh, maybe like aggregating public information, but also working with folks like FTR and others who can share insights and, and even some data that they wouldn't otherwise share publicly to help us do the work. So I'm guessing we probably met 2012, 13 or something like that. And um, yeah, every, every discussion is a good one. Yeah, no,
1: I, I'm with you. I remember all the discussions. I remember talking through all of that. So it's a, it's a delight to be here hanging out with you, though. I love it.
0: Great, great. So tell us about FTR. I was poking around your website and, you know, kind of right at the logo, it says transportation intelligence. Yeah, so
1: uh, transportation intelligence initially started out as a tagline. <laughs> so and and it finally uh, kind of stuck. And so we kind of do do business as FTR transportation intelligence. Um, you know, our job is to, in essence, um, convey what's happening with the industry, uh, but to support it with data and intelligence and analysis. Um, And to be unbiased in how we view the marketplace and kind of give you our best assessment of what's going what's going on. And uh, we have a significant amount of data. Our freight cast model um, helps us understand all freight movement in uh, in the US and the North American market um, by all the different modes of transportation. So. being able to provide that information to clients is uh is huge. So um, so we just kind of are seen as that unbiased source of uh, of data and analysis and then you know our big thing is our forecast. you know, we want to look out over the next two, three, four, five, ten years and what does this mean for the marketplace to give everybody some visibility. so and some people don't like our forecasts, right because they're always not Rosy and they're not always tell- saying, hey, uh, this person's going to win or lose. It's uh, we're really just trying to say here's where the markets are going to go, and that way people can adjust and adapt to that.
0: Yeah. So who are who are your clients, and and uh, you know, sort of like who cares about these uh, forecasts uh, in, in the trucking industry?
1: Yeah, it's it's really all over the place. So when we started, our focus was on the equipment side. So class eight, uh, medium duties that class three to to seven at the time. Uh, when we were back in the 80s and 90s. And uh, over the years, we've kind of transformed to where um, it, it's not just, for example, the uh, the truck and trailer OEMs, the, uh, the suppliers and manufacturers and the financial community. It's actually grown to where we give information uh, and content to a significant portion of the trucking uh, community, the fleets uh, themselves, uh, to the shippers, and so the shippers want to understand what's going on. Uh, we have all the railroads who want to understand what's happening, not just on the rail side, but what's going on within within truck. And we get that also with the uh, the rail equipment supplier uh, market. They want to understand what's happening in that particular arena. So it's really every stakeholder within the full freight transportation marketplace. And it's it's fantastic to be in this particular spot because now we have these discussions with. All of our all of our clients and industry participants, and so it gives us better visibility of what's going on. You
0: know that that group is growing a good bit. I mean, I, um, I, a lot of the places that that in events I go to, I'm shocked at how many entrepreneurs are there, how many startups, how many investment community people are there, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, as we've started to um, you know look at you know electrification, hydrogen, um, autonomy, um, I got to believe that the people who are wanting the information that you provide that that's a that's a real growing. is it do you, do you, you sense that as
1: well? I, I do. and we get it both from uh, traditional businesses that have been in the uh, been in the transportation industry for for a long time uh, who finally realize they need to understand what's going on within their within their marketplace. Uh, but then to your broader point is as, as you get more and more entrances uh, participants into the industry, they, they need that information. So from our standpoint, it's been a completely growing business um, always, just because everybody is now um, saying, I need more information. What's hysterical about this is, <laughs> I think everybody's kind of like, oh yeah, doesn't all this data already exist out there? Doesn't all this information just kind of happen to be there? <laughs> and the answer is really no, you, know, you have to right. really data mine and go through stuff. I'm, you guys deal with the same thing. They're like, how could we not know what productivity is for a given piece of equipment or whatever it is, right? You have to really dig in to understand what's happening within the within the market. And uh, um, I think it's eye-opening for a lot of people because they're like, wait, uh, we do. We need to continue to invest in this. And that's why what you guys are doing is great because um, it really, you guys are out there trying to quantify as much as you can um, on a lot of these um, uh, hot topics.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the reasons why it is hard um, is that um, there's a lot of variation in trucking, you know, there's um, all kinds of different movements, there's different loads, there's different, um, you know, these are uh, vehicles that are on the ground. So there's different things on cold weather, hot weather, blah, blah, blah. And, and um, technologies are changing as well. So, um, and, and you're right that the, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, how many electric trucks have been built? Well, you don't know. Um, <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. I don't think we know. Maybe you can correct me, but I don't think oh. we we sort of know even how many natural gas trucks are built versus diesel trucks. It's not on the VIN, right? So, um, right. Uh, you know, I guess it
1: starts there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we do collect from the OE's uh, natural gas uh, data, which is as helpful, but the the number small in um, that next uh, the next one of trying to understand electric. The um, uh, vehicles is going to be is going to be huge, and um, we'll be we'll be there helping to try to collect that data as it continues to uh, to morph. But but you're right. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, you would already know that it would come straight out, and you'd be like, oh, good, this is the number. And it's not it's not that easy.
0: You you have just like this mammoth pipeline of data coming in at you, or you going out and getting it. And then you just put it in this, you know, massive, uh, machine that's called, uh, you know, FTRs operations <laughs> and then you know, ult- ultimately spit out that, that forecast, which, you know, uh, in some ways that forecast is, uh, you know, I've been at this a long time. It's just like, well, how many medium trucks are going to be built in the next few years? How do I scale or hand heavy duty trucks? How do I scale my operations? Or how do I think about adding operations or adding people or so forth? So. Um, I suppose at the biggest, highest level, I probably have that right. Um, but kind of, kind of, tell me uh, a little bit more about how you do your work without, um, you know, showing us the whole behind the scenes of Wizard of Oz.
1: <laughs> no, that that's fine. Yeah, I have no problem showing you the man behind the the curtain, because um, what we do is is so um, complex in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of uh, straightforward aspect to it. It, it we try to put it in a way that there's a lot of common sense to it so we can understand it. So in essence, what we did is we created this huge model, the freight cast model uh, that helps us estimate uh, all freight movements within the US market and um, and for a lot of the different modes of the North America market. And we can forecast it out by uh, commodity group. And we have 209 commodity groups that, that do that. And we can forecast, we get history back to 92 and forecast out you know, we can go out 10, 20, 30, forty years, uh, which is huge. And so for us, having that level of data and we when we do this, we have over eighty thousand variables of data that gets forecasted out each each month. And so how do you take that information and make it usable? So ultimately for us, it becomes a starting point. It is not the end-all be-all. So when we talk about something like medium duty, we talk about the heavy duty market, in essence, you're taking all of that data and saying, here's what the forecast says based upon these modeled conditions. And then you have to be able to say, okay, well, what's the reality on the ground? And this is where our our expertise and the, the subject matter experts that we have help us go through and vet that initial part of the data and marry up what's happening today versus what the model is saying and where the future is going. And That for us is is the huge value add is we have the model that says, based upon all these conditions, here's what it should be. But the reality on the ground is, is where we now are meshing those two uh, together, which creates a lot of value. Um, And for us, you know, it's um, something that we do on an ongoing basis each month. We go through all the vetting process for the economy, the freight market, uh, what's happening with rates, what's happening with uh, with going on with uh, uh, purchasing and builds uh, for all the different equipment types, and we have to make sense of it. And all of our subject matter experts come together, and we kind of say, okay, here's what we're seeing in each of the different markets. And over time, they have to meld together. You can't see one market going in one direction without it eventually having an impact, um, on the other particular markets. Um, and so that for us is is huge to be able to understand uh, a lot of those things.
0: Yeah, and I, I got to believe that um, as some technologies emerge and so forth and and dynamics um, ha- happen that um, you know, it affects the forecast. So t- like e-commerce yeah. um, walk walk uh, walk us through maybe as an example of something that could be changing that affects the model. Um, what about sort of the 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 concept of e-commerce and how the pandemic uh, may have um, had a bit of a step change there? is Is that something that uh, maybe your model might not have predicted? and then um, you, you have to use experts to to say, okay, now we got a new, you know there's a new game in town sort of thing.
1: Um, yep. No, that's uh, no, that's a great question. So in essence, once the pandemic hit, Right. That kind of changed a lot of things. And so nobody had a any type of model, economic model, uh, freight model, anything that could really say, okay, here's what this means. And so we had to go back and really relook at stuff and say, how are we going to how is this going to come out of this huge deficit that got started? And is uh, the freight market going to do better or worse? And in transportation in general, trucking, how are they going to, to fare? And so the switch to what we kind of talk about a lot is the omni-channel environment, right? People basically overnight said, I want to be able to order stuff in any way that I want to order, I want to be able to call, I want to be able to email, I want to be able to do it online, I want to be able to go into the store, whatever that looks like. And then I want to have it either delivered to the store or to me, whatever that is. And so the system had to figure that out. And so we saw a huge amount of investment in that particular arena very quickly. And one of the things that we noticed is that the freight market actually did very well uh, in that particular type of environment. People were ordering a bunch of goods, um, but trucking in general had to rethink how much equipment does it need to support this? Some of it had to do with drivers. So we actually saw a huge increase in delivery drivers, so short haul. And so some of the longer haul drivers said, huh, I don't know if I want to be on the road. Maybe I'll go do this. So we saw a shift there. And so that's something that you have to kind of try and take into account. Do you have enough drivers in the right spot of where you need it? The other thing was, is, do you have enough equipment to support all of this? And what we found is that traditionally, the heavy truck, the truck portion of it, the class eight market, followed the normal behavior that we would have expected. And so therefore they continued to to build and buy and do all of this stuff. Where there was a little bit of a disconnect was that the trailer market could actually was higher, the demand for trailers was higher than what we would have expected. But that all had to do with the shifting of how the freight market behaved. So therefore they basically said, I need to keep the driver moving. How do I keep a driver moving? I have a bunch of trailers sitting all over the place that are already preloaded and ready to go. So that's that's one. So we actually saw the tractor to trailer ratio changing. Um and I think that's a permanent shift. Those I are kind too. of hard things to, to model. Um, but clearly it makes sense because intuitively you can see it and we can we can quantify this, and that's the beauty of it. Is you can kind of go through and say, yeah, and so it's, it's nice to hear that you that you see that as a as a permanent shift, um, because I I think it's going to be hard to find a long haul driver over the next several years. It's not going to be, oh hey, I'll pay him more or whatever. There is a this whole concept of lifestyle. We've 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 talked about this a lot. Is that um, something happened during the pandemic where people said, you know what, lifestyle matters more than pay. Pay is important. Don't get me wrong but time at home, quality of life, all of that stuff and I think it it irks people to hear that yet at the same time when we when we as um, individuals you think about it we're like oh yeah that changed for me lifestyle's huge you know yeah yeah and so the, everybody's feeling it i think we
0: have seen a shift in uh you know and we called it an increase in regional hall um and Sometimes you don't notice that in heavy-duty tractor demand. I mean, you can use a sleeper tractor in lower miles and use it in, uh, you know, day cab kind of routes. Yeah. Uh, And you may not really know it too much. You know, maybe the miles per year goes down or something like that. But I I think we are seeing a a shift in the last decade in um, lower lengths of haul, maybe, um, and, and more drop and hook. So your, uh, your comment about more trailers really didn't surprise me at all. I mean, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it, but I think it's true. I think we're, you know, we're adding a lot of warehousing um, yep. with respect to not only e-commerce and how goods get shipped, um, you know, from either ports or manufacturers and in, in, into uh, warehouses and then the distribution centers and so forth. I think that you know, some of the old timers in trucking used to say things about hub and spoke, and I remember hearing them. And I'm like, I'm not sure what that means, but I think we're into, I think we're into some of that hub and spoke now. And not now, not only, you know, the the freight, um, you know, the the trailers are dropping hooked at those sites, and uh, and sometimes even you know cross docked and unloaded and so forth. I think yeah. We're seeing more of that, and and I do agree with you that whether that's the an input or an output the reality of that helps the whole driver situation for for long haul um and i also think for for small vehicles delivery vans and trucks that um some of these uh some of these jobs can be uh can be pretty good and um you know whether it's class all the way down to class 2 and 3 delivery vans um you know i know all of us are paying a little more
1: attention to that than we used to Oh, totally. And, uh, you know, some, to, to your broader point, one of the things that we can quantify and we can look at this and we know that there is some shifting happening into the shorter haul market. So, for example, when you look at import activity, traditionally, the most efficient way was to bring it into uh, the West Coast. You would put it onto an intermodal train. It would come inland. It would get towards Chicago and then it would get dispersed from there. It, that's the simplistic approach. Um, and then truck would do the, the the final mile. What we've seen since the pandemic hit is that we've seen a shift away from the West Coast port towards the East Coast and to the Gulf Coast. I'm not saying that there's still not a lot of freight coming into the West Coast, but that shift into those other ports suggests that you now are no longer uh, doing a rail move or if you do, it's a very short rail move. But traditionally, it's going to be truck. So now you have gone from a long haul move, which would have gone by rail, and rail was struggling to keep up with that. So then they had to put it on a truck to move it inland, and so that became a really inefficient move. Uh, to now something that is a much shorter haul to uh, to an end destination in the east or into the southern, into the southern states. So that clearly has changed. And we, we expected that that behavior would start to switch back. And people would say, you know what, we're going to continue just to move back towards the traditional model of getting it into the uh, into the West Coast. That has not happened as of yeah. yet. I got to
0: ask you about your 2023 four and five <laughs> Um You know, it's uh, the, the uh, people want to people want to hear Eric. So, um, you know, I, I'll give you sort of my, what I, what I kind of believe and have heard, you know, a good bit about is that because of supply chain shortages, we didn't overbuild or we didn't build the trucks that we could have built in 21 and 22. So, you know, we're entering a time where, you know, freight seems to be starting to tick down a little bit. Maybe you won't see in a time where freight is ticking down a little bit, but maybe you're not agree with me or not, but that, uh, you know, that backlog is able to keep freight or keep trucking production lines up. And we may not see that, uh, you know, that, that down period we typically see in a cycle. But um, tell me tell me what you, how you view all of the, maybe the next three years of truck production.
1: Yep. Nope. Fantastic question. So the to your broader point, the the initial thing that we look at is the freight market. Because why do you buy a truck or trailer? It's to move freight. And so when we look at that, um, we do see freight flattening out. We don't really see growth for the next four quarters within the freight market. Now, we are at relatively high levels, so that just basically suggests a status quo. And that gets us back to more of a normalized market uh, demand equation. And so what that means for 2023 is that 2023 is going to be our peak year. We're going to see really strong activity within this particular market. Production will stay relatively strong, at least through the first half of 2023 before started to ease back in the second half of 2023. But even then, there is some upside potential there. If you look at what's happening with orders and backlogs for specifically the the class eight market and the trailer market, well, class eights hit a record high in September of last year and they've eased a little bit, but they're still super, super strong. And the backlogs are very strong. We have you know, roughly nine months of backlog sitting there. So, to put that in perspective, if you basically had zero orders be- from now until whenever, you could you could build for nine months, and that only then would you de- deplete the backlog. So that's huge. Usually, in any normal cycle, we're somewhere between four and six months, not nine plus months. The trailer markets in the same same type of situation. We saw. Uh, the December uh, order numbers record high levels for total trailers. Um, that and we're we're roughly out about nine months. So same type of dynamic there. There's nothing that suggests that there's slowing down within that market. So as we get towards 24, 25, we see 24 softening. We expect that we'll start getting back closer to replacement demand levels. So th- to think about this is. If you have zero freight growth and no change in productivity, well, what does that mean? Well, typically that just suggests that you are right-sized with how much equipment you have. And you just say, I'm just going to replace what I have. I don't need to add. I don't need to shrink. I'm good with what I have. And in essence, that's really what we are expecting. We don't see any material change in productivity, and we don't expect a huge increase in the freight market. But by the time we start getting out to 25 and 26, then we start seeing some increases in output levels, and we start seeing some growth. So by the the middle part of 2024, we should see uh, we should see freight the freight market picking back up, and that'll have an impact. Usually sh- into 25 26, it's usually about a year. It takes almost a year for once the freight market starts to turn down or turn up, that it impacts out output levels for uh, per- from a production standpoint.
0: We've had some pretty good years for a while now uh, in pr- truck production. I, I got to tell you, given my 30 some years what? in this market, I'm a little worried that uh, a lot of people won't be able to have been around a really low, low year, you know, I mean, and it's coming. <laughs> I got, it just feels like it's coming. Uh, l- let me ask you like a closing question. You've been around this for a long time and you've seen uh, companies win and companies lose. And given uh, everything that's going on around technology and trucking with, you know, all kinds of things like load matching, uh, distribution, uh, routing, uh, truck technologies, um, you know, zero emission trucks, et cetera, uh, you know, and, and remembering what it takes to win and lose in this market, what's maybe one or two or three suggestions you have for people, maybe maybe it's around the data they use in you know, company decision making or something like that. But um, uh, what's sort of your advice to win in uh, the next five to ten years um, in the trucking industry?
1: Yeah, my my thing is that there's going to be significant changes in um, electrification, and so that means you're going to be looking at um, a, a, basically a redevelopment of the of the truck itself, and the trailer will have to to then. Um, kind of morph to what that truck is doing too, because you'll start looking at things like um, uh, the uh, weights of that can get moved. And so, I, you know, I think that this is going to be a really interesting time from a supplier perspective. So, if you are trying to supply in the market, you cannot sit on your heels and just say, "Oh, it's going to be status quo," right? You have to continue to be looking at research and develop and, and say. Where do I fit into this particular part of the equation? And what does this look like? You have to have multiple scenarios to say it could look like X. It could look like Y. It could look like Z. And all of them have equal possibilities. And you just need to have a plan that says we're going to continue to move there. But if if people just kind of say it's a status quo environment because the, the, the truck build numbers are going to be X. You know, then yes, that's perfectly fine for the next few years. But longer term, structurally, we know that there's going to be significant changes. Um, we've already seen uh, California basically moving to the zero emission. We've seen Europe moving that direction. So things are coming and uh, it's a really exciting time. So you have to be trying to marry up what do the forecasts look like versus what is the fundamental change in your business. Look like, and sometimes you don't even think it's going to impact your business until it's too late. And so you have to be really proactive and talking with other industry participants to uh, to understand those particular changes. Because I can't tell you right now what this will look like, um, but I I do know that um, that fleets are going to be looking at how do they uh, increase or decrease the need for drivers. How do they have better productivity as they, as they go forward? And then how do they try to limit their exposure to, to risks from a cost perspective? And so those are going to be all things that, that the different aspects of the industry are going to have to really pay attention to. Great talking to you, Eric. We
0: sometimes speak on the same stage and it's always fun. I'm glad we were able to record this for the audience. So um, take
1: care as you go into 2023 and thanks for joining us. Mike, thanks so much. It's always a delight to, to hang out with you, and um, I really appreciate the invite. Freight Efficiency with NACFE's Mike Rosen, and Friends.